listening to the Grow Further podcast, dedicated to helping you on your journey to get from where you are now to where you want to be. I'm Christy. I'm Ellie. And we are your hosts. Grow further with us, starting now. Today, Chris and I are bringing an episode to you that we hope is pretty relatable because it is for us. And the topic at hand is when did self-care become selfish? That's why we're bringing it to you today because it's something that I think Ellie and I have felt personally, especially during the time of the pandemic, where when we ask ourselves, how much time do we spend actually filling our buckets? And why is it that when we do it, when we are spending time for ourselves, why do we feel guilty about it? You know, why do we not feel great? <laughs> it's something that I think that people struggle with professionally and personally. I know I struggle with it as a mom. I struggle with it as a friend. I struggle with it as an employee. I think that it's so interesting to identify that moment in time when you first started thinking that caring for yourself, recharging your own body... Uh, or recharging your own being, your own energy, your mind, when that became selfish. So I don't know, Chrissy, what are your thoughts? Like, when did that happen? And how did that happen? Where we started equating taking time for yourself and allowing yourself to feel joy and allowing yourself to do things that you really love become something that could be seen as self-centered or selfish. You know, one of the things that comes to mind for me is that we have such long to-do lists. And I don't know if you all out there, if you can relate to this, but your to-do list is so long. My to-do list is so long that I almost just don't see where I can find time for me. And if I do find time for me, especially as a new mom, Mm -hmm. as a spouse, and as, you know, I, I love what I do for a living. It's just my calendars are packed. I just think it's not necessarily something that people impose on me, like the thoughts that, you know, you shouldn't be taking care of yourself. I think that people would say, you need to take time for you, do what you need. It's more internal where I just don't feel good sometimes when I am filling my own bucket. Cause I could be doing something to check off that to-do list, or I could be doing something to tend to my daughter or to work. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It it does make sense. But I also would say that as much as people will throw out there the sentiment, oh yeah, you you need to do things for yourself. You need to care for yourself so you can care for others. Those same people are also pulling on our time, right? Those same people are also adding to our to-do list. So, you know, I know that this is like an open debate here, but At the end of the day, I always go back to the analogy and I think about this all the time. So, you know, I bet you at any given time, I can ask you, where is your cell phone and Mm. how charged is it? Right. And I know that even before my cell phone goes into the mode where that little battery is turning red as an indicator of dangerous, Mm -hmm. dangerously low, I have that bad boy plugged in before it even gets there, because I don't want to be without it. I don't want it. I need it. It's a lifeline. We don't treat ourselves even like we treat our electronics for crying out loud. (laughs) That's so true. We don't recharge ourselves the same way that we recharge that cell phone where we're like, Ooh, I need to make sure that the battery is charged so that when I get that email, I can respond to it immediately. Like what was it um, that was uh, brought up the other day, like corporate phone anxiety? Oh Yeah. I mean, you know, where I'm just ready. I'm just ready on alert. 
And in order to be on alert, in, in order to my phone to work, it needs to be charged. But for whatever reason, that's such a great analogy because I don't, I don't charge myself the way that I charge no, a cell phone. No, I don't even we, think about it that way. You know what? And I think that we need to restate this and think of self-care as actual recovery. And I love it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it back to you, Christy, because every time we talk about recovery and every time we talk about things like this, you always use sports analogies about athletes because that's where your background is. And I think that it's a really great analogy to use in this circumstance because athletes, part of their job is, is recovery, recover. right? Mm-hmm. So why do you think we don't do the same when it comes to our personal lives and our work lives? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question because you're right. In an athlete's journey, especially if that's what they do, and I'm sure that many of our listeners, our athletes, have been athletes, can relate to this. Recovery is part of the job. You know that you're not going to be able to bring your personal best to the field, to the court, to the pitch, wherever, unless you're actually recovering. And so I don't know necessarily when we stopped emphasizing recovery as it pertains to our work lives Mm -hmm. and just our parent lives or just our human being lives, but somewhere along the line, it got lost. Yeah. And that might not be the case for everyone, but somewhere down the line, I think it's not as emphasized in a corporate setting, at least to tend to yourself because it's as important that you tend to yourself as it is that you bring your personal best to work. Like that's expected of you, but it's not equally expected that you recover. It's interesting because I also think that at the end of the day, if your to-do list, like going back to the to-do list, right? If your to-do list had three things on it, you only had time for two. And one of those three was recovery or self-care. It would be the first one crossed off the list. And I would argue, And I'm going to throw this out there. This might not be a popular opinion, but I would argue that some of the reason why we would cross self-care off the list first is because we also care tremendously about how others see us. And if we are devoting time to ourselves instead of devoting outward time towards some other thing, modality, uh, project, to-do list, check off, then we fear that we might be perceived as not being productive, as not giving value. And it really is because we don't want to be seen as weak. We don't want to be seen as vulnerable. We want to be seen as strong, you know, parents, friends, employees. And so I think that's part of the paradigm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, and I think that that takes a tremendous amount of vulnerability and authenticity to say that we care about it. Because one of those things, I don't care what other people think about me. Do you, mm. Is that really? I mean, like, do you really think yeah. that? Do you really not care? Because I think that when you're in a setting where you're impacting other people, your decisions are impacting other people. At the end of the day, it's part of our responsibility to care, right? Caring is essential in order to understand what are other people seeing? Mm-hmm. How am I showing up for other people? And recovery is one of the best ways to, I think in my own opinion, I can't speak for anyone else. If I take time for me and I fill my own bucket, I have more to give to others. I have more to give to the tasks. And I think it's a matter of saying, how can we encourage our listeners to spend a little bit of time filling your own buckets mm-hmm. 
and practicing self-care and finding it equally as important to tend to yourself as it is to tend to your job, to tend to your kids, to tend to your spouses, your friends, and every other aspect of our lives. And so maybe, Ellie, we could spend a couple minutes providing some recommended tips for how to go about practicing self-care every day and trying to find time every day. Yeah. And you know, in your bucket, you know, what's really important too, Christy, that I just want to make sure that we are bringing to light and reminding people is that as a leader, you know, and many of you on the call are leaders in some way, shape or form, whether you're leading your home team or your work team as a leader, the actions you demonstrate are going to trickle down to your team. So if you're saying exercise self-care exercise recovery, make sure you make time, yet you're not demonstrating that, Mm -hmm. then your team is going to think you don't mean it. So that's first, right? So that's really, really important that you have to live it in order to lead it. So your team sees it and they see that it's important to you. So, you know, it's interesting because it makes this makes me think of, of a little ad hoc study I did. I was really, really curious to understand the dynamic between the mentality of working harder and working smarter. And I wanted to uh, test the hypothesis about the highest levels of leadership in organizations outside of our own and how they allocate their time and how they allocate their energy. So what I did was I actually reached out to um, VPs of several companies that are in my local area. And I live in uh, right outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. And they're friends of mine. And I just reached out to them and I said, you know, I'm really curious. I'm doing this little, you know, investigative study for myself. And I want to understand how you're spending your time. Can you take a snapshot of a week of your calendar? And it's so interesting. So I was able to collect five or six different calendars and on every single person's calendar, whether they were part of a tech company, I mean, we have Adobe right here. We have 1-800-CONTACTS. We have all of these huge companies right here in my backyard. Mm -hmm. And of all of those VPs, there were VPs and higher, there was one commonality. And the commonality was that they dedicated time for recovery Every single day, they scheduled it. So it it was was on their calendars. It was on their calendars, and there were there were two different forms of recovery uh, that I actually noticed. There was physical recovery. Interesting. Yep. So people were putting things like taking a walk, um, you know, getting some fresh air, having lunch outside, just something that would allow for their physical recovery and. They even had time for mental recovery that was labeled think tank time wow. or, or sh- quiet strategy time or time with myself. It was, was one of the labels, but it was just so interesting because these leaders who are leading such high name, high dollar companies leading right. different departments they're in. And mind you, they weren't HR. I did not on purpose. I did not ask any HR individuals. They were all marketing, uh, you know, retail, just different positions within the company or different different uh, business right. units. Mm-hmm. They all had those common commonalities. Now, and I bet you, if we took a snapshot of our own calendars here, right, that we don't schedule time. I know I don't. 
you will not see recovery time on my calendar. (laughs) Me either. So I would say that the first takeaway for for this group, for our listeners, is schedule it throughout your day. And be purposeful. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be long, right? It could be 15 minutes. It could be a half hour, however much time you have, as long as it's there and you stick to it. And I think that was some of the pushback that we might get is like, when am I going to have time for this? I hardly have enough time to put lunch or to have lunch, let alone recover. But how can you incorporate some of the regular routine actions And maybe be more intentional about what you do with that time that's already scheduled, whether it's between if you're driving from point A to point B or if you're walking Mm -hmm. from point A to point B. Ooh, I wonder if we could be more intentional instead of reading through emails on that walk, maybe, or on that drive or whatever, which hopefully we're not reading emails on a drive, but you know what I mean? Then hopefully, you know, be more intentional about using that time to recover and do something that brings you, I don't want to keep saying like brings you joy, but that is one thing. that we could do to give ourselves back is think about something that generates positive emotions, put it on the calendar. Yeah. Like those are two things where it's not negotiable. It could even be listening to your favorite song. It could be looking through pictures of your family. It could be anything. And you know what? I think that that brings me to number two, which is make it something realistic and attainable. Make it something that is doable because you don't want to get frustrated. Yeah, you don't Mm -hmm. want to get frustrated, right? So, you know, it wouldn't be realistic and attainable to schedule or calendar out, you know, take a vacation every day or any, you know, I know I'm being a little bit outlandish, but make it something that's attainable, something that's small. And then you just said it, make it something that's about you. How many times do we say we're doing something for ourselves when it's really doing something for somebody else in disguise. Often. (laughs) Right? Often. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. I might say I'm going to the store. I'm going shopping, right? That's something I would definitely say. But if I go shopping and it becomes about me finding my kids, you know, summer clothes, is it really about me? No. It should be something that's truly about you, something that you truly enjoy and something that will really make you happy at the end of the day. And that leaves us with three takeaways. One, schedule it throughout your day. Two, pick something realistic and attainable. And three, make sure it's truly all about you. And ultimately, we really want you to remember self-care is definitely not selfish. listening to the grow further podcast if you'd like to help us grow further please subscribe and don't forget to let us know what you thought of today's episode 